Hey, Jamie, I've got a question for you. What do you want, Tom? Who's on the podcast this coming Friday? Oh, is it someone big? Boy. Is uh, it a big one? Shall I bother listening this week? Yeah. If I was going to say uh, take. And I would say off no, your trousers. No, no. Take. Me out. No, take. Paddy McGuinness. No, take. Take on me. Take that. Wow. Have a little patience. But hang on, presumably you've only, you haven't got all three of them, have you? Presumably you've just got one of them. Buddy, we have all three of them on the podcast. They've released a new album. It's coming out. They're going on tour. They talk about the ups, the downs, the lefts, the rights, on everything that happened in Take the That. The ins, the outs. And they reveal it all this Friday. Exclusively. On Private Parts. That's a big one. I'm going to listen to that. Hello, I'm Pete Strauss and welcome to this week's episode of The Mediaverse. Every week we try and sometimes succeed to answer the biggest questions facing the media industry today. But of course I couldn't do this alone. I'm joined by the single most influential figure on the planet. <laughs> A man whose accomplishments dwarf those of every single human being to have ever lived and I include Jesus Christ in that. Wow. It's our senior producer Tom Payne. Thanks Pete, that's... <laughs> I, don't, I honestly don't know where you're going to go from that, you've compared me to Jesus Christ now. I think I'm gonna to have to start going the other way. I'm yeah, gonna slowly, it's gonna have slowly to get worse and worse. Negative and negative until I'm just it's just a series of like swear the words. least impressive man in media. <laughs> Tom, yes. Since we last did a podcast, yes. You've got married. I have. You've been on a honeymoon. I have. You've got a tattoo. I have. You're a it's been, it's been um, a strong four weeks for me. You've been on a journey. I have been on a journey. People, and I'm back. People are getting worried you won't join again after Elliot left. Then you were out. You were out yeah, for pockets would have been dead. One week, yeah. yeah. It's just been me rambling in a room, <laughs> not knowing how to use any of the equipment. <laughs> yeah, just, I think just talking cool. into your iPhone for an hour. <laughs> Pete, put that up. Um, so we did this format a few weeks ago um, on an episode called "The Theory of Almost Everything," which everyone should go back and listen to. We've both brought in five stories each from the MediaVerse. Yep, Tom. Do you want to tell us about your first story? I would love to, Pete. Great. So my first story is all about Google, the beloved Google. Um, one, yeah. So at Google I.O. this year, they announced a platform called Daydream, which is essentially their VR 360 platform that will have its own content on. Yeah. Um, and they've announced this week that they are commissioning original content for it. Um, so some big YouTubers like iJustine, the Dolan Twins, um, are tapping out into Hulu, HBO Now, the NBA, MLB. 
um, which is going to sit specifically on this platform um, and YouTube as well. So it's really interesting that you know the tech giants are really investing in VR. 360 and VR in a big way. I mean, amazing. They, and, and it's really interesting that they they've made a point of saying that they're not putting huge budgets behind it. They're putting you know, five to six digit range budgets. They're not spending millions on this. They're going, yeah. What can we do for smaller amounts of money? to make interesting... Is that them dipping their toe in or seeing what the limits of the platform is or how... I think it's I mean, probably a learning point for them. I think I don't know anyone... No one really knows what to do with this platform yet or VR or 360. It's all... Everyone's testing the waters and they've got a huge load of content creators. They've got some money. They've got tech. They're building a platform. I think it'd be really interesting to see what comes out of it. VR is a bit like 3D. And it's like one of those things... Like when I was growing up, I felt like VR was like, this is what the future is going to be. Didn't hear about it for 20 years. Yeah. And then about six months ago, they're releasing VR headsets for like PS4 now. Yeah. Google are messing around with VR and stuff like that. And everyone just seems to have adopted it again as a kind of like, this is the future. Well, whilst I was away listening to my many podcasts, I came, there's, there's a new term come out called mixed reality. So essentially okay. it's about combining the real world with video and different aspects. So I could be sat here talking to you like this and around you would be and the news might pop up or a tweet might appear next to you. And yeah. So it's about combining our reality with a, another layer on top of it instead of... I think, I think the interesting thing about VR is you, know, you get to immerse yourself in a world you can't necessarily immerse yourself in, but yeah. it's a very solo thing. It's a very personal thing. It's just you with a headset on. Absolutely. And that's fun sometimes. For gaming, I imagine it'd be amazing, but I think it's like an everyday thing. You couldn't sit here in a VR world. 24 hours a day, I don't think. It'd get confusing, wouldn't it? The boundaries would start getting yeah. blurred. Apparently, there's estate agents in like the Middle East and like various billionaires from over there. If they want to buy property abroad, they just put a VR headset on them and they can essentially walk around the flat they're going to buy. Wow. So they don't even go to see it now. They can just go, yep, I'll spend... What's the point, point of not leaving our houses anymore? We may as well just, just sit, sit around in. the VR yeah. headset. They're, yeah. they're not that ridiculously priced either. No, this one's going to work, I think... Uh, with an Android phone, essentially. So it's a headset, you put your Android phone in, um, you launch an app, and all of a sudden, you're in a 360-degree world. We do need kit for the office. Yeah, I'm definitely getting one Could you throw that on the end and see how we get on? Let me see what I can do. If you're listening, Peter. <laughs> we'll do a virtual reality podcast. Oh, my God. It'll just be black. You'll listen. <laughs> immerse yourself in the podcast. Immerse yourself in the dark, dark abyss. You should do a 360 podcast, though. Put a rig in the middle of us two talking. Let's do it. That'd be interesting. We've got a 360 rig. Sure. Well, we've got no GoPros left, but we've got a 360 well, rig. Let's <laughs> <laughs> set up the rig and it's just facing yeah. at you. Um, okay, what have you got? What's your first story? Oh, thanks for asking, Tom. Uh, we spoke about this a few weeks ago. BuzzFeed doing long-form stuff. Yep. They've again made noises about doing it. Um, they said BuzzFeed video content has experienced hockey stick growth, which was a term I learned about an hour ago. Do you know what Explain. that means? So it's like if you see it on like a line graph, it like the plateaus and then goes up really sharply, okay. like a hockey shape of a hockey stick. Oh, see what they've done there. Um, so they've bolstered by a global uh, distribution strategy across the likes of Facebook, Snapchat, and Twitter. So. They want to go into making bigger, kind of uh, longer content, but yep. breaking it up across all their social networks. They okay. said, it's about whether you can take the content you have created and distribute it across social networks. How can you slice down an hour-long show into snackable bites to engage and entertain people and generate more interest? And they go on to say, TV needs to think more broadly about online distribution, not just whether to launch on YouTube, their own VOD player, or Netflix. So the idea to be to take an hour-long piece of content and have like a minute on Facebook, then you go to YouTube to watch a 
So would it be one narrative across platforms, or would they be... I guess so, which sounds a bit confusing. Yeah. <laughs> or a bit frustrating. Yeah. If you just want, like, say if they make an hour-long documentary about the, they've got a picture of the taste thing, an hour documentary about food, yeah. and then it's split up into 32-minute uh, chunks. That just sounds an incredibly frustrating experience. Especially if I have to go from Facebook somewhere else and watch the next exactly. bit and can't find it. And you could never properly find the flow of it. I do kind of agree with the point that TV needs to think more broadly about online distribution. And they do just go like, should we start a YouTube channel? Yeah. Should we become Netflix? And it's like, they already exist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like they're yeah, already doing good. So I get that whole idea of trying to think outside the box or embracing online more. But yeah. that method sounds incredibly frustrating and annoying. Yeah. And TV's doing it a bit, the Mr. Robot thing we spoke about a few weeks ago, where they released on Twitter first and stuff like that. Yeah, it's interesting, but I'm not sure that's the future way of doing it. I think it's interesting as a, as a one-off, here's something new. I don't think yeah. that's the future of entertainment. But I, mean, I don't know, BuzzFeed Germany get these things right, so we'll probably say I could be wrong. Who are to question? Yeah. <laughs> you know nothing about growing a business, BuzzFeed. It'd be interesting for us as a business to see if this works, you know? Absolutely. But is it still long-form content if it's broken down into snackable bites? That's a very deep philosophical question. You've got it there. is, isn't it? Yeah, I guess it is. It's still a long-form piece of content. Just broken down. Yeah. BBC3 have done it a bit. They did a... Um, uh, it was a Life on Death Row thing. And they basically, they broke it down into 10 minutes and there were like eight parts and stuff like that. But to me, you could tell that they made a 80-minute documentary just cut it up and then they said like we had this story for ages and we filmed it a while ago and we didn't know what to do with it yeah. because there were no obvious ends it would just be like yeah so I think this happened and then it cuts really quickly and then the next episode starts right. and, like, and it's just frustrating to be honest that's not short form content that's just a long one bit of content just a playlist yeah exactly and it was just quite frustrating like things should be given time to breathe and yeah. you should be able to get into things like I do think something interesting in, in splitting up a longer piece of narrative into shorter bits but there has to be a real reason for doing it. I, they might be doing it with the intention of like, like everyone does, like here's some short bits of it, drive you to a main video, like yeah. a hero video, like look, here's five minutes of this documentary about food, go ahead. Yeah, well, I think the problem with that is then you're going, you're asking people to go off platform to go do something. I just don't think people do that. If I'm on Facebook, I don't necessarily want to be pushed to YouTube to watch something. I'm on Facebook because at that moment I want to consume yeah. something in that way. And I don't know if, trying to push you somewhere else is the right thing to do. I often don't bother clicking through and things. I think most people do. That's why so many people usually get the wrong end of the stick when it's just a headline and everyone goes, oh, I can't believe this person said this. And it's yeah. like, if you read the article or watch the video, you see they wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. But it's easier just to go like, mm, I kind of just got on Facebook. I don't want to spy on all my friends. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. Tom, what's your next story? So my next one is the cannibalization of Snapchat. So lots happens other ways with Instagram. Instagram is slowly merging into Snapchat in a kind of weird um, Mark Zuckerberg-y way has kind mm. of gone, couldn't buy Snapchat, so he bought Instagram and he's now turning it into Snapchat. Um, I just think it's really interesting because, you know, what's the way the, the story's happened? Yeah. Which is essentially Snapchat. Um, and now they're doing live events. So when you go to explore on Snapchat, there'll be a bit at the top that's kind of things that are happening right now for you. Yeah. It's going to pick up trending topics, things you like, things around you. It's like a continuous feed. So Snapchat. I... I don't know if I'm just showing my age here. I had Snapchat a few years ago when it first came out. Couldn't get on board of it. Downloaded it again about two months ago because yeah. it was insanely popular. And again, just found it quite awkward to use and then couldn't quite get around it. Yeah. And just, so the fact, 
Everyone's really against this Instagram thing. I quite like it. <laughs> I, I feel really like, like it as well. It's my accessible Snapchat. You just see yeah. it at the top, it's a picture of whatever. You go, oh, great, yeah, I love that. They always do good recipes. Click on that, boom. Yeah. 30 seconds or, you know, yeah. five, 10 second videos, boom. It's just, I found it much easier to navigate than Snapchat. I think this wouldn't have happened if Snapchat had created a way of me being able to find other people on Snapchat. That's so like it's, Im- it's impossible for me to find other people. Yeah. Whereas on Instagram, I already follow friends, companies I like, people I like. So all of a sudden, I basically have Snapchat exactly. of stuff that I like without having to go on Snapchat. Exactly. Instagram, I've already built a base of yeah. friends, brands, stuff like that. So it's just like, oh, right, great. Rather than having to go like, does that advice and clicking yeah. through like that. And it's just really irritating. Yeah. Um, um, I think it's really interesting. I know, I know loads of people against it. Um, I think it's actually quite a smart move. Are people just against it in that kind of like... Do you remember Facebook used to revamp once every year? Yeah. Oh, I hate all this new stuff. And then it takes about a week and you're like, oh, that's quite good actually. I can find that easier. I think it's that. I think it's that. I think... um, You don't like seeing people necessarily just blanketly copying other people. Yeah. Especially, you know, know, this is a big boy. This is Facebook. It is shameless. It is absolutely absolutely shameless. shameless. But why not? If they're seeing it's working somewhere else, they have a big platform based around photos. You can't copyright the idea of a story being told through videos. No. That's as old as time. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see because I think brands will be able to monetize with this stuff quick. Because Instagram are already friendly with brands, with Snapchat um, aren't as friendly with brands. They, I went to Summer in the City. And, Lucky boy. Uh, yeah, it was good actually. How old did you feel at Summer in the City? It was all right. Really? I went on, uh, obviously it's like a huge event, right? So I went on the Friday and then they let all the fans in on the Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. And it was in the Excel and so it was like these huge rooms, not about a hundred people in it. <laughs> because, because they expect like a huge scale. So there was kind of like, you know, all the things you have to walk around to get a ticket. Yeah, and yeah. just walking around them for <laughs> like five minutes to get a ticket and just being able to see like the bored teenagers sitting there. Yeah, like, yeah. Instantly, they're a group of, I never thought about this, but you know, when you go to Glastonbury or something like that, someone works for free yeah. to then get a ticket. People do that with summer in the city. Really? Yeah. Wow. So there was like about like eight, 16 to 18 year olds all gathered round who are obviously really into YouTubers yeah, just yeah. in a group having like a chat and I had to go up to them and be like, all right, <laughs> can I come in? That's quite so, sweet. Yeah, it's quite sweet. Um, yeah, it was good. But they did talk there about Snapchat and they had um, a few YouTubers there. And the main thing I got about them from Snapchat is that no one really knew what to do with it. And these were YouTubers. So some yeah. were like, oh, I see Snapchat as a more personal thing. So I do that with just like, say, if I see something funny in the street, I'll record that. that yeah. I wouldn't necessarily put on my YouTube channel because it's more polished there. And... Then others of people like, yeah, I only use Snapchat to drive to my um, YouTube channel. And no one seemed quite sure how to harness it. Okay. And, but they, the only thing they did all agree with is that they wouldn't uh, collaborate with brands on it because it seems like a more personal platform. That's interesting. So you'd only do like 10 seconds of kind of like, hey, it's me and my friends here. Like, and it feels like that they get them at their lowest or they get them when they're not wearing makeup and they get them when okay. it's upgraded and edited. So they feel like a brand invading that space is somehow kind of it's not true to their fans. They feel like the YouTube channel is one thing and yeah. I'll be willing to do a collab with whatever company there, but Snapchat's my own personal. So maybe with Instagram, because Instagram's already collaborating with brands, it makes more sense to do it on there than yeah. it would be Snapchat. Time will tell. Time will tell. Right, what's yours next? Netflix. I love it, Netflix. 
I, yeah, I don't spend half my time on Netflix at all, it's fine. <laughs> uh, they recently raised the prices, actually, Netflix. Seven fifty a month now. I went yeah. the first launch, it was like four ninety nine a month. I know, I was on four ninety nine a month, but then it slowly eats up to five yeah. ninety nine. And is that a thing where, like, are oh, you a valued customer for the next year, we won't put your price up? Yeah. You still end up paying the same as everyone else. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But either way, it's still very good. Yeah. Um, Netflix UK has aggressively culled its programming over the past few months to reduce its reliance on archive content in favour of the latest shows. So, between December 2015 and June 2016, they reduced their catalogue from 2,502 TV shows yeah. to nearly 500 less 2012. Okay. So their theory is, by having these older shows in there, so they're trying to get rid of anything that is older than two years. So their theory is that having that older content on the platform dilutes all the new brand new stuff they're getting in or buying in like yeah. or Stranger Things and Scream TV show and stuff like that. How do you feel about that? Do you think that's true? I mean personally I don't think I've ever watched an old show on Netflix. I don't know. I, really? I do that. I, I use, I've watched loads of stuff back I mean, in the Maybe stuff like Archer I watched Older stuff and that. I don't, I don't watch like old, old stuff, you know what I mean? I don't know. I was watching the Ricky Gervais version of The Office this week. Like, I, I, I personally, yeah. that's what I love about it. And they got rid of The American Office on it a few months ago, and I was gutted, to be honest. I guess I've always. I've ne- I, I don't really rewatch films. I try not to rewatch telly, because I think there's so much great stuff out there. What's the point of wasting my time rewatching stuff? I do feel a bit guilty about that sometimes. It's like, oh, I could watch that. My list is all like documentaries I feel I should watch. Yeah, yeah. And then the stuff I continue watching is an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia <laughs> I've watched 20 times. <laughs> and I always like hate myself a bit for it. But. So they're getting rid of old stuff. So it's like Get Always Sunny, there's new yeah. stuff coming out. So they're keeping the. Old stuff? Well, with something like that, they might keep it, but like something like The Office, for example, yeah. they might be tempted to get rid of because okay. they're like, oh, it's 15 years old now. Um, so they said, Netflix is looking to become an increasingly premium content player. Why dilute the perception of your offer with older, lower value content when you have an increasing library of recent, critically acclaimed, high production value titles? I think it's a very bold move. I think that kind of opens up the market for someone else to be that archive, to be that archive stuff because people do watch yeah, like, The I, Office and all you know older TV programs and still love them. I, I don't think I'm in a minority when I say I'd like to watch old stuff back yeah. and I like to. I know BBC have recently just launched their own VOD service, haven't they? Yeah. So like I tend to sign up for that. I like watching old stuff back. Like obviously, I actually signed up for Netflix originally because they did. Arrested Development Season 4. Yeah. So I think that stuff's great at bringing people in. Yeah, Although yeah. that series is terrible in the end. But great. it was when I got on there, and then I was like, oh, they've got that. And then combined with Breaking Bad, they're doing one episode a week, day after it's released in America. Yeah, great, yeah. you know. But, and obviously, I watch the new stuff, and that's great. But more often than not, I say I'm watching documentaries from five years ago, that's or a sitcom from... So I don't know if that's... So this is just TV programmes, is it movies as well that get rid of old stuff? Um, they say here, TV shows and movies. I mean, they have... I think movies is a shame. More of a shame than TV programmes, I think. Movies tend to stand the test time a bit better, don't they? Yeah. I mean, Netflix have some terrible movies. They yeah, should they work do. on getting better movies on yeah. there. TV shows, documentaries, brilliant. Yeah, you know what, the movies should have like a system of like, if it's two stars or less, they get rid of it. Rather than it's old, quality it should be like, it's quality rather than age. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's what they should be going for, actually, rather yeah. than like 
Oh, is that three years old? Get rid of it. Yeah. Let's rather than oh, yeah. the Godfather on here. Yeah. It's one two years old. Let's get rid of it. <laughs> get rid of it. It's terrible. Yeah. But then Paul Blart, Mool Cop. <laughs> <laughs> Pull it in. Um, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Tom. Um, so whilst I was away, the death of one of the biggest media companies in the world happened. The death of Gawker. Off the back of Peter Thiel's um, backed lawsuit, they went into administration and got bought for $135 million um, by Univision in an auction. And 48 hours, it shut down. It's mad. So the, the website is actually still there, but they're not, they're not releasing any new content. All the staff have been let go. Yeah. I think it's really sad. It's I... like been around for 14 years. They were, yeah, in the early days, they were making great content. They were breaking stories. They were what a lot of people wanted to be. And they messed up with doing some really bad stories. Um, but I think the fact they died, I think, is a real shame. Gorka, I've got kind of mixed feelings about it. Like, Gorka in recent years had just become a, like, cruel and it was horrible. Yeah. And that, uh, Hulk Hogan's not a particularly nice man, right? But that was like out of line, <laughs> like, really out of line. It's a shame that, like, because they did generally like, expose like, rich and powerful people who should yeah. be exposed, but just releasing a sex tape for someone that is not in the public interest. Yeah. But it's a shame that a billionaire of a grudge, even if it's an understandable one because they outed him for being gay, which yeah. is a ludicrous thing, but like, um, even if it's an understandable grudge, it's mad that he's just got that power to just be like, you know what, I don't like you, because yeah. that sets a precedent for yeah. who's ever going to write anything about a billionaire again who's in the wrong, because they'll just... Yeah, lash out completely. It's, it's the powerful shutting down a media company, and I, I agree with you. I don't think um, the sex tape was necessary. I don't think outing Peter Thiel as gay was necessarily news. Um, and they can argue freedom of speech. They can argue public interest, which is a fair point. Yeah, but I think to have ended up being shut down because of a lawsuit, I think um, doesn't set a good precedent, especially what's going on in the states at the moment. Um, I'm not sure that's great. I saw a friend of mine thinks that. Um, because they're keeping Jezebel and all the kind of subsidiary kind of websites around it and stuff yeah. like that. They're keeping them, and he thinks in a few years they're going to roll out what is essentially going to be like Gorka 2.0, but under a slightly different name, do similar different things. You know when News of the World shut down after phone hacking and they released the was it the Sun on Sunday? It's yeah. like this is News of the World. It's yeah, just, yeah. You know, you've changed the title. So Joshua Topolsky, who's the founder of the Outline, said. Uh, Gorka's shutdown is a massive loss for true independent journalism and should be a warning signal to the rest of our industry. Its demise at the hands of a petty billionaire is not only an injustice to Nick Denton and his team, but an affront to everyone who supports a free press in this country. So, yeah. I, I, kind of, I, I get the point, but he's kind of... He's washing his hands of them doing anything wrong, isn't it? There's not been any, like, contrition on their part that they shouldn't have done it. I know he's... Um, Nick Denton has come out and said he doesn't think the article should have... Oh, really? Yeah. The problem was, oh, there we go. Um, it's, it was a massive company with hundreds of people writing stories. He couldn't oversee everything that went out. True. So some people much further down the chain of him decided to put out yeah, the story about Peter Thiel. Maybe he did see it, maybe he didn't see it, but it still went out and it's cost him his company. You know? It's that whole, I think I'd turn to this, going dangerous water, but the phone hacking thing, obviously a lot of ridiculous, awful, terrible stuff. Yeah. And then like Rebecca Brooks and all of that claim she had no idea about any of it. Yeah. You do wonder how much do they actually know, how much do they are they yeah. how much are they like don't tell me, cover my ears, don't tell me, yeah. just get it out there kind of thing, and how much they actively see yeah. of this stuff and go, mm, all right, just don't yeah. bring it up again. <laughs> I guess we'll never probably know, but 
I, I still think it's sad. Yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 it's awful that a billionaire, if he doesn't like something, can get it shut down. Yeah, I think it's just the way it happened. I, 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 they shouldn't have put those stories out. And there's not necessarily anymore an amazing outlet for great journalism, but I think the way it happened, a billionaire shutting down on a media company, I think. It's one of those stories where Peter Thiel obviously isn't the greatest person in the world for doing this. Uh, Gorka wasn't a website that I loved anyway in recent years. And Hulk Hogan, there was a, I don't know if it was Gorka again that released this, there was an audio of him a few months back saying like the most disgustingly racist stuff. Yeah. It's one of those stories where like, I don't like anyone involved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just kind of like, like Yeah, I don't think anyone's really won out of that story. Yeah, everyone just, everyone's come out of this badly. But I, think, I think. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The other interesting part of this whole story is, you know, Pete Thiel is on the board of directors at Facebook. And so you kind of go, here's a billionaire who decided he didn't want this media outlet to exist anymore. Yeah. So he shut it down, essentially. But he's on the board of directors of Facebook, who are basically the only way that a lot of media outlets are getting in front of people these days. Yeah. Um, they've, you know, Facebook have obviously denied that he has any involvement in that side of things, but there has been, um, it does raise an eyebrow slightly. There has been various reports that like, Facebook have been like monitoring and massaging the kind of news that gets through and yeah. stuff like that. And it's kind of why like, Twitter almost paints itself as the exact opposite as like anything goes. So yeah. if you like, and they come under increased fire for not censoring anyone saying anything. So yeah. there's that actress from Ghostbusters whose name I can't remember who got like terribly racially abused yeah. off the back of that and they were just like, you know, it's, it's freedom of speech platform and it's like, yeah. To a point. Blimey. Yeah. <laughs> like you are testing people's patience with it. Yeah, I guess this is, I, this is a continuously evolving industry and I'm not sure there's a right or wrong answer to these things, but. No. Oh, wait, it's a shame. Yeah. Bye, Gorka. What's your next one? Ex-BBC boss says firing Jeremy Clarkson from Top Gear was a big mistake. I'm inclined to agree. Yes. Uh, let's move on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. Uh, he said, this is Mark Thompson, who's now CEO of the New York Times. He said, Clarkson can be a deeply objectionable individual, and I say that as a friend. I don't think people should punch their colleagues. It's hard to keep them if they do. Fair point. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> But I would say his pungent, transgressive, slightly out-of-control talent was something the BBC could ill afford to lose. He spoke to people who didn't find much else in the BBC. What do you think? Should BBC have kept Jeremy Clarkson bearing in mind what he did? Or? I don't think they had any choice. I think they had to let him go. I'm not a big Jeremy Clarkson fan. I'm not a big Top Gear fan, generally. I think he's a bit of a dick. Yeah, 
but the BBC are never going to replace that side of it. The BBC has just come so safe. The content that goes out of the BBC, I think, is just so unbelievably safe. I don't think anyone's doing anything particularly edgy, but no. I think that was their last bit of edge was Top Gear. It was their last bit of... Yeah, the only TV show that ever got into the news for something contentious was Top Gear from BBC. Yeah. And now that's gone. And he pulled in an audience that isn't particularly BBC necessarily. Um, I... I it was, a, it, was, it was a real struggle for them. They couldn't have kept him, but I think it has really screwed them over. So why do they think that whole, like, TV being afraid to take risks anymore? When, where's, like, where's Brasse? Yeah. Where's the new Brasse? Where's something that's willing to go, like, you know what? This is not actually offensive, but it's tiptoeing the line of, like, if you, take, if you just take this at face value, it's offensive, but if you actually yeah. get a double meaning behind it, you realise it's blade and irony and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. No one's doing stuff like that anymore. Instead, we're getting Goodnight Sweetheart again and keeping up appearances and the stuff that was not risky 70 years ago is coming back. And it's yeah. just... I think there's, more, there's so many creative people in the media industry creating content these days. Yeah. Because of the beauty of YouTube and everything we have, there are so many people making stuff. Why are we not trying new things? Like, this is the real problem, I think, with the BBC and with other broadcasters. Then. There are people making risky stuff. There are people pushing the boundaries elsewhere. Yeah. And they're not willing to embrace it. I know they've got Ofcom and all that stuff, but they can do stuff. They can do risky stuff. And they're just, but they're choosing not to. Yeah. I think uh, it's because of declining TV ratings. I think TV channels and commissioners are just one absolute banker rather than like, yeah. even if it's not like a risk in the terms of like risky in terms of offensiveness, like, Mentioning The Office again, right? Yeah. That was a guy who'd done minimal works TV before, give him and his mate a TV series, BBC Two, 10 o'clock, he's going to star in it, he's going to write it, he's going to direct it, became the most successful British income, yeah. British sitcom of all time. They don't do stuff like that anymore. It's just kind of like, yeah, it's just the same old yeah. Mrs. Brown boy. I mean, the other thing BBC's done, yeah, Thick of It was interesting. Yeah. W1A... It's yeah, kind it's of interesting. Quite good. I mean, it's all kind of like media internal wanky stuff, but... The only... Uh, carrying on with this, there's uh, <laughs> a few stories about Clark Sadir. Um, firstly, the picture on this article, which is in The Wrap, is a TV presenter, Jeremy Clarkson, leaves the ceremonial funeral of former British Prime Minister uh, Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> a funny picture to put there. And um, apparently he uh, uh, rang up... Uh, Mark Thompson, and he said, Clarkson phoned up out of the blue when I was on a day off. His first words were, I won't apologise. I don't care what you say, I won't. Um, I said, uh, why would you want to apologise? He told me that he'd just called Gordon Brown, who was then Prime Minister, a one-eyed Scottish idiot and a cock. We agreed that he'd apologise for calling him one-eyed. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just absolutely like, the man is like, Jeremy Clarkson's clearly, you know, there's a lot of words I'm probably not allowed to say in the podcast. <laughs> Clearly not a nice man, but obviously something about him appealed to it. And then it says here, James Martin is now the front runner to do the gig. Really? Yeah, the guy from Saturday Kitchen, who's great in Saturday Kitchen. Yeah, I'm not sure he's... Didn't know he had any hosts, or any... Cars. He's really into cars, he's really into cars. Is he really? Yeah, he's done classic car TV shows before. He's done like the Mili Mili in Italy and stuff, he's... I mean, that doesn't feel like a very, like, let's get someone OG. Yeah. The guy from Saturday Kitchen. <laughs> it's ludicrous. They're literally killing that franchise. Yeah. They asked Matt LeBlanc if he's going to be in it next year, and he said, I don't know, call the BBC. Yeah. So he's got no... And they've come into an all-time high of 1.9 million viewers in the last episode. I think goodbye Top Gear, I'll be honest. I think goodbye Top Gear. Yeah. Go, Tom. Um, it's the Kardashians. 
Ooh. we couldn't do a podcast without mentioning the Kardashians, have been slammed for not disclosing relationships to companies um, they hype on Instagram. So a team um, from a non-profit called Truth in Advertising has been through more than 500 posts from Kim, Chloe, and Kourtney Kardashian, as well as Kylie and Kendall Jenner, and I found 100 posts that do not clearly or conspicuously disclose their relationships with companies being promoted in the posts. So they're essentially promoting, being paid to promote brands and in no way disclosing in the post. So one example they gave was Kim Kardashian um, endorsing Jay-Z's private jet company, JetSmart, which is basically um, Uber for, for private jets. Because um, obviously. Can you get an app on your phone for that? Yeah. What's it called? It's called Jet Smarter. I'm going to demo that right now. Um, <laughs> and she didn't mention in any way that it was an ad or, yeah, it was an paid, I mean, it's not a paid endorsement because it's a husband. You know, yeah. Yeah. Then there are more than 100, apparently, of these posts between the lot of them. And I think it just, I think it just highlights again that yeah, these are hugely influential people on younger people and on us in general. These influential people and they're getting paid probably very large sums of money to promote companies and brands and people and they're not disclosing it. This happens all the time. Obviously we spoke about Alfie Days and Zoella and all the, all the rest of it. Doing yeah. it. I'm downloading JetSmart as we nice. speak. You're going to private jet back home after this. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm curious to see how much it East costs. East North London, see how much it costs. I'm, yeah, like, <laughs> can you get back to Leighton? Um, <laughs> but like, do you think potentially Incidentally, Kardashians, Kim, Courtney, Chloe, if you want to come on and defend yourselves against these accusations. We, we, do, we can do a Skype call. We, we can do. do a Skype call. We are more than willing to listen. Um, yeah, like, do you think like, they might know this is going to happen and just take the risk anyway? And then if they get a fine, they're not going to pay it, whatever companies... Yeah, because, I mean, their, their argument is essentially <laughs> there's no industry standard right now. There's no right or wrong way of doing it. Like, with Ofcom, it, it's a tale, there's a right or wrong... Yeah. Um, with the FTC in the, in the US, there's no guidelines. There's no, you have to do this. It's, you should do it because you're an influencer and you have an audience and you should disclose it, but they don't have to and they're clearly not. I, I'm going to log into JetSmart. I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I think they probably just take the risk because it's quite ambiguous around it. I reckon they just go like, ah, oh, you know what, I'm going to advertise this JetSmart thing. It's... Um, um, Jay-Z, my husband knows him, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'll just do this. Oh, you didn't disclose it. And they go, nah. Yeah, oh, well, Kardashian, move on. What are you going to do? Yeah. You know? Yeah, pretty much. I'm sorry, what are you going to do? Because there's ambiguity around it. Once they more clearly define, you can't do that. And if you do that, you personally are getting fined that yeah. amount. And even then, it's like that Michael Jordan thing you mentioned a few weeks ago. He got fined by the NBA all the time for wearing yeah. Air Jordans. And Nike just paid it for him. Yeah. I'm sure she's not fitting the bill for, and even if she is, she's worth She's a savvy businesswoman, isn't she? Yeah, I don't even know what the answer to this is, um, unfortunately, but it's going to happen, it's going to happen more and more because it's, it's not a new industry and it's a growing industry and I can't no. see it disappearing anytime soon. Pete, what do you have for us? Tom, uh, so this is an article from The Guardian. Uh, BBC sees almost 20% drop in new viewing after BBC Free TV channel axed. So, TV marketing body Thinkbox of which regular listeners to the podcast might remember Matt Hill, who was on a few weeks ago. Go Amazing. back. Good guest. Great, po- great episode podcast. It was really good, actually. It was really informative. Yeah. If you want to go back and listen to that one, it's called Where Should Advertisers Spend Their Money? And I think it was two episodes ago. Maybe? Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, the BBC saw a drop of almost 20% in younger viewers to its TV channels in the months after shutting the youth-focused BBC Free. 
and it says show it showed that the 16 to 13 year old audience declined by 18 percent which is interesting but i think slightly odd because they moved online so with the expectation that they'd lose viewers on tv and yeah. gain them online so yeah. to go ah you lost viewers on tv is kind of that's they, what they're meant to do, right? Exactly. Yeah, they didn't think BBC Three would go and they'd retain viewership. On TV. I mean, I hope they didn't think that. Well, that makes no sense because the TV channel's not there to view. So yeah. like, it's absolutely baffling. So it's a slightly kind of like, it's a bit disingenuous. Does it say that they've now appeared online, these viewers? Um, well, they don't, uh, because Thinkbox is a TV marketing body, they don't account for online. They right. do account for viewing up to a week from first broadcast on catching services, but not on devices such as tablets and mobiles. So mm. only if you've gone through your TV again. So it's really it's quite... missing a huge... Yeah. That, that, sorry, that sector of the market isn't watching stuff on telly. Is. It, it'd only be, this just thought it'd be interesting if they analysed how many viewers BBC3 were getting online, encountered that, encountered that in this, yeah. and then went, right, your youth viewing down as a corporation is down. Yeah. X amount of percent, but they've just gone, ah, you're not on TV, and they're presumably boost, so you go, yeah, we know, we took a yeah. TV channel. Yeah, we like, turned it off. <laughs> yeah, we turned it have off. You, have you watched any BBC Three stuff recently? Uh, uh, I watched a bit of a thing on YouTube, but basically BBC Three is really trying to do this kind of um, serial making murder thing. Keep doing these, like, kind of, like, serialised, real-life murder cases, yeah. which are really in vogue, and it was cool... I can't remember what it's called now, that's how good it, it was. Sounds pretty good. I watched that. <laughs> I watched three episodes of that on YouTube. But generally, I, I, I go to the BBC3 website every now and then just as kind of research to see it work and just being like, I don't care for it. It's just yeah. like a weird Tumblr page and you click on a link and it's just, it'll be an article by someone and then it's just some little video the announce team has made and then it'll be. How long do you think it is until they shut down BBC3 completely? Oh, it's, it's coming, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, apparently they're revamping the website, so okay. changes will be made. So it won't just be a Tumblr blog anymore, it'll be an actual I website. can't believe that, like, there wasn't, like... Obviously, going online is one thing, but why is this not, like, all in place? Like, being like, right, we need to make sure this website is incredible, yeah. and it's this amazing hub of things. And it's just stuff like, if you want to go back up to the top of the page, you've got to scroll back up. And it's like, it's not, you scroll down quite far. Yeah. <laughs> like, because it's like huge, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. fonts for each thing. And it's just a bizarre, they should have thought it through more, should have designed it more, but I, I, I don't know. It just seems I, think, I think they missed a massive opportunity, and I'm not sure how they're going to claw this one back. I get the, I get the thinking behind it, and I really supported that, but I think the execution at the moment is lacking. But Damien, Damien Kavanagh, who's controlled at BBC3, said BBC3 is now about taking creative risks. Um, and they mentioned the... Did you watch 13, their drama yeah. they did? It was really quite good, actually. Yeah, it was good. Um, 13 has proved to be the single most popular show on iPlay this year with about 3 million requ requests, beating <laughs> the England v Wales Euro 2016 clash at 2.8 million. So it was more That's really impressive. than the football, which is insane. Yeah. Like really insane. Just do that. Just keep doing that. Just keep being risky. We talked about it earlier. <coughs> take risks. They have yeah. a platform now they can take risks on. So Yeah. And if the BBC is there to do anything, it's to provide risk and provide public services and yeah. realise that the be all and end all isn't TV. I don't think TV is going to die by any stretch. Loads of people still obviously watch TV. Yeah. But 
loads of people are also seeking entertainment elsewhere. So simply adapting to that should be applauded yeah. rather than criticised, saying, oh, no one watched you on TV. And it's like, yeah, we know. Yeah. <laughs> Interestingly, when I got back from our honeymoon, we couldn't find our TV remote, so mm. we couldn't watch normal TV because we couldn't turn the box on. Yeah. Um, and I haven't missed it. Like, no. first day, it was like a bit annoying, but then you just watch everything. Like, I have an Xbox, so I watch Netflix, Amazon, watch yeah. iPlayer, 4D through it, bits and pieces. I... But, like, I have no need for that box anymore. I, I literally haven't turned it on in the two weeks we've been back. I, d- I don't have it. I've got a PlayStation 3. Yeah. I stream stuff. I go through Netflix, I go through Amazon, I go through iPlayer, I go uh, all four. I go, I've got Sky Go, so yeah. my brother's got it and I pay for it in my place. And yeah, I go through that. I don't have TV. Yeah. Instantly, I've not had the internet for a month. Thank you, PlusNet. <laughs> <laughs> so, what have you been doing for a month? Uh, it's, been, it's been difficult. <laughs> Actually, it's not. I've been all right. Yeah. I think I've started watching DVDs again. Oh. I've gone a bit analogue. Nice, I like that. DVD analog? No, yeah, it's digital. No, but I mean, pretty much is these days. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's analog. about as analog as you're going to get. Unless I get like a VCR. <laughs> and, yeah, so I've got kind of. Um, and Matt Hill said TV is thriving on all screens, but the importance of TV channels and TV sets cannot be overlooked. Which I agree. Like, people sometimes are a bit premature and kind of online sometimes does like to be like, TV's dying. Ah, and it's like, yeah, it's declining, but it's not going to go completely that is no i mean this it's, 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 definitely, it's definitely a generational thing it's you know in 30 years time when 25 year olds are 55 and their parents are no longer here yeah tv's probably not going to exist because they would have grown up with watching stuff on demand but i can't imagine my parents getting rid of their skybox and they're no mid 50s they're around for another, like 20 odd years i don't my mum's got an ipad with netflix on and iPlayer, and that's how she watches most of her stuff now. Nice. They've still got a TV, they still do stuff. And certainly iPlayers, I feel like, are a bit kind of, they're a bit more older skewing than people realise, I think. I feel like a lot of mums and dads have them now as a kind of yeah. place. My mum usually just plays solitaire. But I, bought, I bought my parents a Roku stick for the back of it because they've got stupid old LCD TVs that are crap. So I bought them a Roku yeah. stick so they can stream stuff. Because the Skybox has to download a program before you can watch it, which I think is just insane. Ridiculous, isn't it? And I think I bought them, yeah, like two Christmases ago. I'm not sure they've ever turned them on. Oh, really? I'm like, but you could turn it on and stream this BBC stuff in real time. And they're sitting <laughs> like 20 minutes waiting for something to download. <laughs> I think that pretty much sums up how it's going. I think, I think so, and that's not all parents. Some parents are great. I think some parents, like my, my wife's parents stream loads of stuff. They have Netflix, Amazon, they're yeah. always streaming stuff. But I definitely think. It's a generational thing. I think it's going to take, it's going to take a while for TV to phase out. Um, I get what I get what Matt Hill is saying. It's not going to disappear anytime soon, but it is going like it is going to disappear shortly. It's it's on its way, isn't it? Or yeah. at least it can't be. You can't just keep being like people are watching TV still. It's like yeah, but less and less. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, if you want to hear more about that debate, uh, go back and listen to our older episode. Where should advertisers spend their money? Tom Payne, your last story. Final story. This is a bit of a lighter one. Um, so UK universities have turned to Snapchat to lure students on results day. Um, so a lot of the top uni um, universities were creating like campus tours, um, were doing shots of, they had these big call centres where people on clearing day can phone in and try and get um, places. Like, not massive views, they weren't huge, but I think it's really nice and really interesting that yeah. univers- you know, universities are actually going, our next students are on Snapchat, so let's make Snapchat content. I think it's really refreshing that people are just going, oh, that's where people are, let's make content for it. I'm not sure enough people are 
moving that quickly. And I think it's just That's really nice idea. that these big institutions are going, let's just do Snapchat. And they're just doing Snapchat and people are engaging with it. And I guess universities are all kind of about um, kind of innovation and research. So that makes sense that they would adopt something like Snapchat to try and appeal to younger people and actually embrace it in a way that like you think a lot of media companies might like yeah. they're kind of incidentally when i went on my open day to portsmouth we we're about half of the way down and i realized i got the wrong day so my parents just had to turn that around in the car <laughs> <laughs> so it stopped stuff like that yeah happening. i mean that would have saved your parents a hour-long drive away up a tank of petrol because yeah. <laughs> of my idiocy but it's just a nice thing to go you know brands people whatever Get on with it. If that's where your audience are, just start making stuff. Because it's a very good idea. If universities can do it, I'm pretty sure the rest of us can. It's a very good idea. Final story. Final story is this week. Don't know if you've heard about this, Tom. KFC have released a chicken-scented sunscreen. Wow. <laughs> so it's sold out in just three hours. Okay. And they only released 3,000 bottles, which they were giving away. Um, and they said uh, the only skin that should be extra crispy this summer is on your fried chicken. <laughs> That's amazing. I read this in DigiDay and Grace Caffin, who wrote the slightly thing, wrote, um, while the freebies might be elusive, the free publicity for KFC is very, very real. I wanted to ask you, is that good publicity? Like, yeah, I, I, don't yeah. Know. I think I, mean, I hadn't actually heard of it, but I, yeah, I think it's quite interesting. But like, there's something like I, I always wonder. Like, that's so sad. Like, the chief executive uh, marketing officer at KFC US said, um, "While I'd love to tell you our customers have been asking for this, they haven't. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, I'm pretty confident nobody ever asked for this. It was just some crazy idea we dreamed up, which is quite quite fun. It's quite cool. I guess I think it's nice. I think brands should be doing weird stuff like that. Does it convert to actual sales? Do you think? Do you reckon they go like? Ah, they're doing sun cream. I've had a KFC in a while. I'll go do that. Possibly. I'm not sure it really matters if your KFC is only three thousand bottles, but I would like to do an experiment actually, and this is never going to happen. Um, Coca-Cola, right? Yeah. Obviously, advertise everywhere, right? Yeah. But who doesn't know what Coca-Cola is by this point? I assume everyone knows what Coca-Cola is. And at this point. you can buy it everywhere, right? Yeah. If they went a year without advertising. Do you think their sales would drop significantly? No. I mean, they're not going to take that risk because why bother? Yeah. Then it's just for a stupid experiment. I want to see it. Like, yeah. I think it would be exactly the same. Because no one's going to... Have you ever like... Oh, do you want a Coca-Cola? No one's been like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> That's never Literally happened, everyone has had a Coca-Cola. Exactly. And I, I would, I, I, people don't order it because they're like, oh, I saw an advert the other day. <laughs> the only thing people would miss is the Christmas advert. Yeah. You know it's Christmas when the Christmas advert comes on. Exactly. They've really cornered that market. What they should do? They should just... Yeah, is it the Sam Smith Adidas trainers? Yeah. So they, they stopped making them for like two years. Mm. Then when they came back, everyone bought them. The Stan Smiths. Yeah, Stan Smiths, yeah. yeah, yeah. Coke should do the same. They should just stop making Coke for a year. Can you imagine? And then come back and everyone be like, I need, I need Coca-Cola. And they sell out millions. <laughs> we should just these things. Yeah. Stop selling your products. <laughs> for like a year or two. Take the hit. And come Can back. Can you imagine? And, that would, be um, a, that would be a risk. Yeah. That would be a maverick move. If you want more amazing ideas like that, um, Coca-Cola, you're welcome touch. to come on the podcast. <laughs> that one's for free. <laughs> that one's for free. The next ones won't be. Um, Tom. Pete. That sadly marks the end of this week's episode. Oh, sad times. 
Please subscribe, leave positive reviews, and follow us on Twitter at MediaVersePod and like us on Facebook. Um, next week, we are going to do a Edinburgh TV Festival special. And a post-Olympics, I was thinking earlier. We should do and Edinburgh TV and a post-Olympics. We'll do... That's a very good idea. I think a good one, I reckon. That's a really good idea. Um, we are hopefully getting... He's not responding to my Facebook message. <laughs> the return of Elliot Gonzalez. Ooh. Ooh. Um, great, listen back to old episodes if you haven't already. Uh, generally support the podcast. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thanks, listen, guys. Cheers, bye. bye. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 